1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithfully, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent op- opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, and the only God, to be honored and to honor, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. First of all, just Merry Christmas. I wish we would be actually together on this Christmas Sunday, that we could actually see the, the kids sing live. We could hold, each, hold all these babies that we have as well and to enjoy the fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ. But there's something wonderful actually about what God has done in 2020. He's really stripped the church of all the extras and accoutrements and ornamentations that we that churches do. And the Lord has asked the church to focus on what is important, what is key, what is central to the Christian faith. And I pray that during this 2020, God has done that to you. That God has enabled you to to see your heart, to see his glory, and to see that God himself is the most important person, being, reason for us to gather together to worship him. Here on this Christmas Sunday, we remember the day that God in his perfect timing in the fullness of time, sent his son, Jesus Christ. It was not a second later or a second earlier than it was intended. It was exactly at the right time, at the right moment, that he sent his son, Jesus. That Jesus himself came willingly to fulfill the plan of redemption that the triune God had planned since all of eternity. That when Adam and Eve had fallen from grace, that there would come an appointed time where Jesus would be made flesh and the God-man would dwell upon this earth, preaching the good news, the gospel, that there would be forgiveness of sins for those who believe, that God's kingdom, the fulfillment of that kingdom, will be finally ushered in in its final stages in the coming of Jesus. We are here to celebrate and to remember who we are as a church, as Christ's covenant Presbyterian church. We are here to acknowledge and to remember and to embrace what God has done for us as individuals, but corporately as a body of Christ. We are here to remember what it is that makes us Christians, what it it means 
that we are sons and daughters and brothers and sisters of family. You see, the world has co-opted Christianity. And the world has co-opted words such as forgiveness, hope, faith, and joy. To the point where we say these words without knowing what they mean. Today, I want to encourage you and show you the fullness of God's love for you today. And I'll be focusing on three words, especially forgiveness, hope, and joy, and how the coming of Christ has bestowed upon us perfect forgiveness, perfect hope, and perfect joy. In our passage today, we hear the Apostle Paul give sort of a short testimony about his life. He was once someone who persecuted the church. He describes himself as a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent. He was someone who was actively trying to suppress what God was doing. He wasn't neutral, but he knew what he was trying to accomplish. These radical new believers in Jesus must be done away with so that the old ways can keep going on. Forgiveness is something that is, forgiveness of God is something that is tremendously different from the forgiveness that this world teaches. You see, the forgiveness, the spiritual forgiveness that God gives us is a, is a forgiveness that we ourselves did not know that we needed from the very start. The forgiveness that we receive is actually a forgiveness that we think that we don't need. And because of that, this spiritual forgiveness is a forgiveness that comes to us only when we are reborn in our faith. You see, it's easy for us as human beings to understand analogically what forgiveness is. We know that we've wronged someone. We say to them, please forgive me. An exchange of, of ideas go back and forth. And usually there's some sort of forgiveness that comes back to you and some sort of dealing with the mess that, that has occurred. And then everything is right. But there are times in our lives that we don't know that we've wronged anybody. And we, we don't know when we've wronged anybody. We don't know what the consequences are until that has been revealed to us. It's only when someone says to us, listen, if you don't do X, Y, and Z, the consequences are going to be this, this, and the other. 
but without us knowing, we're, we're left in the dark. You see, at just the right time, at just the right moment, Jesus came down to heaven to procure for us one of the most important things, to show us that we were not only naive, but we were actually persecuting him, insolent sinners against him. And somehow, by God's wonderful grace, the Holy Spirit came into our lives and has shown us that we have sinned against God. How does God do that? He does that by sheer grace, sheer love, sheer mercy. It is a miracle, a grand miracle that anyone can go to God and say, God, forgive me of my sins. God, trust in the work of Jesus. God, today you sent your son Jesus into this world to forgive me of my sins against you. God, I was once your enemy, doing everything I can to insert, assert my own rights in my own kingdom. But now I know you and you alone deserve all glory. And I confess my rebellion and my sin against you. Forgive me, forgive me. This is the confession of, Tim of, of, of Paul here in Timothy. And this is the confession of the church, the confession of you and I. When we see and remember that Jesus was born today we do not see simply a cute baby. We do not see a time to simply rejoice in, in some kind of celebration of new birth. But we see the Lamb of God who has initiated the story of redemption, the act of redemption to save his people from their sins. And that is why today, it's a joyous day for us, but it's also a day I implore you to have somber hearts and to weep. That the God of this universe, out of love, had to come down to take on the form of humanity. He did not have to do it, but he did so. In his rightful glory, he should have stayed in heaven 
perfect in all ways. You do not need us as humanity. We should have rightfully died the death that we deserved. And so both in gratefulness and joy for what God has done for us, but in sovereignness as well for what God had to do. We weep over our sins. And we weep over Jesus and what he did for us to procure that salvation. The forgiveness that Jesus offers is not the same forgiveness as the world. It's not the same forgiveness as we give to one another. It's a supernatural forgiveness that the Lord has given to us. So celebrate. Remember who you are. Remember this day. Weep over your sins, but rejoice over the mercy that God has given to you. Rejoice at his perfect patience in your life as well. Rejoice in knowing that eternal life, the fullness thereof, belongs to you. For that is why Jesus came, to forgive you of your sins. Forgiveness. Secondly, brothers and sisters, we have hope. And the hope that Jesus brings in his incarnation and his coming it's not simply the hope of forgiveness of sins. It's a huge part. It's a huge part. It's the part that gets us on the right footing with God. It's like when the, when the snow comes and the, and the driveway is full, it's, it's, it's Jesus plowing that snow away. Car can go. And what Jesus has done for us is not only has he plowed the way for us so that we are righteous before him, but he's given us the fullness of hope that we can live life fully for him. But this hope is not the worldly hope. This hope is not about things that happen in this world for us. But this hope is about our joy, our understanding of the glory that God has promised us. This is what it says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. To them God chose... To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentile are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What is this mystery? What is this mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, when we say in this world, 
the object in this world, the object of hope are simply, well, the things of this world. We hope that uh, things work out for you and your family. We hope that you are able to, in your 30s, be married and have kids. Uh, we, we hope that uh, things work out well for you in school. Uh, we hope that you, you get better and you recover from your sickness. These are all good things. But when Jesus came into this world, he gave us a hope that is grander than that. And our minds and our hearts need to soar beyond the objects of this world for our hope. The hope that God has given us is, is Christ in us. And this Christ in us, via the Holy Spirit, gives us a hope for the glory and the inheritance that is due to you and to me. There is a hope that in the end, everything will work out to his glory. And it's that hope that we cling on to. When you look at the birth of Jesus, we know the end of the story. We know that Jesus will die on the cross. And we know that Jesus will come back. And we know that the new heavens and the new earth will come down upon us. And we live in perfect community with God himself and with all the saints of all of history together. That is the hope of the glory that we have. And so when we see Christ born, our thinking must go towards one day Jesus will come back. His second coming, one day everything will make perfect sense. One day all of sin will be gone. One day righteousness will fully be known. One day our hope of that glory will be fulfilled. And Christ in me allows me to see it and enjoy it and worship him for it. Again. How do we attain this hope? By God's grace and God's mercy. The world can't save us. We can't save us without God working in us. And so we plead to God on this day, have mercy upon us. Let us see that we have hope that is beyond the objects of this world, hope beyond the achievements of this world. You know, during this Christmas season, it's, I've been ref reflecting a lot about, about gifts and about human heart. And I see children and you know, as children get older, they want better and better gifts, right? They want better and better gifts. And you reach a certain age when you start to realize that the things of this world, it's like, well, if I get it, great. If not, it's, it's not a big deal. And then when you get even older and you see the end of your life coming before you, you realize that the gifts and the things that you wanted beforehand well, they're all broken now. 
they've all faded away now. And the only hope that these these uh, fathers and mothers in the faith have is the hope of glory in Christ. But we too must learn early, at an earlier age, at our age right now, that no matter what happens in this earth, we can walk through it because our hope is in Christ. Whatever our hearts are going we can walk through it because our hope is in Christ. Whatever is bestowed upon us in this earth, we will fight through it and, and perhaps even suffer through it because our hope is in Christ. And no matter what comes in our lives today, it cannot compare to what Jesus went through in his incarnation and walking through here in this life. Because Jesus' hope, too, was in God in the end. And if God is faithful to his son to raise him from the dead and to give him all glory in this world, will not God do the same? He's actually promised to do the same for us, his children, who in Christ has given us an inheritance as well. We are people of hope. And when we see the baby Jesus, we see the hope of God in his kingdom. Lastly, God gives us a spiritual joy that's unlike this world. Psalm 105 verse three says it this way. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord, rejoice. Let me read that again. Psalm 105, verse 3. Glory in his holy name. Let, heart, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. We've already seen so far that the forgiveness that God offers us is something that's supernaturally experienced and given to the believer through the Spirit. It is not something that can be manufactured in this world. We, we've also seen that the hope that, that Jesus, that, that the Lord um, desires us to have, again, is something that's given by the Holy Spirit. It is not something that we as hum human beings can sort of uh, um, develop or evolve into. It's a new birth. It's a new person perspective that God has given us. Thirdly and lastly, we say the same thing about joy as well. The joy that God has given us is not a joy in ourselves. Let me say that again. The joy that God has given us is never a joy in ourselves. If we look for joy in ourselves, in our relationships, in anything else in this world, there'll be times when, the, when those things will make us happy. But there'll be times when we're disappointed in those things as well. Yeah, don't get me wrong. A lot of you can 
sort of just grin and bear it and just sort of plow through it, right? When hard times are hard, you grin and bear it and you just plow through it. And when someone says to you, just be joyful, you, you work at being joyful. You, you look for the silver lining as much as you can in all these things. But any time that we look for joy in the objects of this world, these objects of these worlds are all imperfect. But the joy that God wants to give us is a joy that occurs only when the heart seeks the Lord and seeks to know him and seeks to rejoice in him and seeks to see his kingdom come. When we see his perfect kingdom coming into this world, breaking through into our reality, that is when we rejoice. And when that perfect love comes into this reality, it is seen by us, his people. And we can do nothing less than let our hearts sing in joy to him. It is a perfect joy that does not need a silver lining. It's a perfect joy that, that does not need to be reinterpreted. It's the perfect joy that allows us to sing unabashedly for him and his kingdom. And it is this joy that sets the church apart from the world. It is this joy on the countenance of our faces that sets us apart from the fleeting happiness that this world has to offer. When we look upon Jesus who is born, our hearts also not only are sorrowful, there's a mix of emotions, brothers and sisters, when we think about the birth of Jesus thankfulness that we're forgiven of our sins, sorrow that God went to this length, that God had to go to this length to, to, to humble himself for us. And then there's joy as well in knowing that God himself in enacting this part of the plan of redemption will one day get all his people to worship him in, in singing will worship him perfectly, will love him, lift their holy hands to him, that one day every knee will bow, every tongue confess, and our joy will be made full because God's glory will be shown through all of eternity. And our hearts will be full because he and he alone is glorified. All these things, brothers and sisters, if I were to say this on a Christmas, on Christmas day and, and walk through Macy's and said, what is Christmas to you? What is forgiveness? What is hope? What is joy? Will we get these responses? 
what Scripture teaches us, that it is Christ, His kingdom, and God's glory that has been inaugurated in the birth of Jesus. What are we to do? Just very quickly, one, worship him, brothers and sisters, worship him. Please give him all the glory. Let your hearts be changed by the spirit that lives in you. Don't be swayed so much about the, with the things of this world. But look to heaven where your life is hidden with Christ. Number two, during the season, be those people who forgive and love others because you have been forgiven and loved. Look to see Jesus and what he has done for you and cleansed you. And go and forgive others. Why? Because your hope is in Jesus. Your hope is not in whether someone is going to respond in the way that you want them to respond. Your hope is not trying to look strong. Your hope is in Jesus himself. Why else do we forgive? Because our joy is in seeing God's kingdom be made manifest. Asking for forgiveness and giving forgiveness where the world would say never, never, never. Well, Jesus says, yes, yes, yes. And when we walk through the difficulty of, of forgiving people or being forgiven, and we see Jesus, and we see Jesus' hand in there, all we can say is glory be to God, because this forgiveness cannot have come without Christ Himself. Jesus was born rendered speechless. God decided to enact his plan of salvation, totally speechless. He decided to save his sons and his daughters, totally speechless. He did not have to do so, but did so out of love and for his glory. Let us remember and let us celebrate today the most awesome joy, the most awesome gift that has been bestowed upon us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. There's no one like you. Lord, we celebrate today your birth. Your birth changed all of history. I cannot imagine what world history would, been, would have been like if you, Jesus, did not come. I cannot imagine what the world would look like if all peoples were condemned. I cannot imagine what type of society this society would be if you did not send your son, Jesus.
and yet you did. You gave hope to your people. You brought forgiveness to your people. You restored joy to your people. And we are here today because of you. And our lives are safe and hidden in you. We rejoice, Lord God, on this Christmas Sunday. Lord, touch our hearts. May your spirit renew us again. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.